0: Uh, Exodus chapter 17. An unfortunate, well, let, 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 no, no, I don't want to say it that way. A part of life is struggle, and <clears throat> I don't know if 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 you've ever said this. I've I've heard it said multiple times. <clears throat> But oftentimes, parents will say that they hope that their children do not have to experience the hardships that they had to experience. I I, I know for a fact uh, that, that I, I've heard my parents say that, and I won't do it, uh, but i uh, you know, don't don't raise your hand, but how many of you would say that I've thought that or I've said that? I said don't raise your hand. <laughs> well, the reason I didn't want anybody to raise their hand is because I totally disagree with that statement. <laughs> That's why you didn't raise your hand. <laughs> and and this is why. Because it's those hardships that you endured, that make you who you are. And it can be, I believe, a huge disadvantage to a young person to never struggle. Think about that. all the young people are saying, shut up! <laughs> but it's true. Look back through history of our country. I, 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 I Sitting in my office, I, I started thinking back through the, the different generations uh, in our country that would fall into the category of great generations. And the first generation would be the generation of our founding fathers. Would would you not agree with that? They endured incredible hardship separating uh, from from Great Britain and and, and forming our country. And and a a generation was born of of young men and women that knew how to endure hardness. Uh, Another generation would be the generation during the Civil War. Uh, uh, World War One, uh, even and and before before that even the the generation of the pioneers that came west, that thousands upon thousands gave their lives in search for whatever some gold, some land, so what I mean you fill in the blank, but you have to go back and admit that that was a, a special generation of people. That knew what it meant to live through hard times. Tom Brokaw, several years ago, wrote a book. I believe it was entitled *The Greatest Generation*. And anybody know what generation that would be? 2018? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, it would be the. It would be the, what we would call the baby boomers, or or, or the 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 World War II the, the the generation of World War II the baby boomers are a result of that generation and not only did that generation endure World War II but they did it coming off the heels of the Great Depression and out of all the generations that our country has produced I would tend to agree with Tom Brokaw that that would probably be the greatest of all the generations. Unfortunately, we see a generation of young people that are being raised today that have no clue what hardship is. And to be perfectly honest, I believe it to be a huge disadvantage I've got a a question for you, and I I believe everybody here knows the answer to it. Who is our biggest enemy? We we are. We are our worst enemy. And and I am convinced that the majority of struggles that we deal with are generated right here in our minds. It's the struggles within. And last week we talked some about that. But it's the struggles that, that it's those inter- internal struggles that, that, that just wear us down. Paul talks about it often, but in Romans chapter 17, verse 19, he says, For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. And Paul here describes to us in a very, unique way the struggle oftentimes it takes place within us it's that struggle the things that we know we're supposed to be doing yet we don't do it and the very things that i i don't want to do or the things i do but the things i'm supposed to be doing i don't do and 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 it's that it's that internal struggle that that takes place in in each and every one of us it can literally after After fighting with yourself in your mind for a period of time, you can become absolutely physically exhausted, can you not? Then there are times that the struggle comes, what I call, from without. Where it's an external something coming at you. Sometimes, uh, more often than not, we have no control over those struggles. Our journey of faith, oftentimes we encounter trials that involve uh, physical things, i.e. a lack of food sometimes, Uh, clothing, housing. You know, when God's promises to meet all, all of our needs, That doesn't include our wants. You know, basically, what do we need? We need uh, food and water, uh, clothing and shelter, and and those are the things that God has promised to provide for us. Now, (laughs) within that, He has not promised us that we will eat filet mignon every day. Although that would be a good thing. But you know, the truth is, if we had filet mignon every day for dinner, we'd complain. Just like the Israelites. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would, I would like to at least try it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, these are trials that oftentimes we go through that help develop us into who we are. In Matthew chapter six, verses twenty-five to tw- and twenty-six, it says, "Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life." what you shall eat or what you shall drink, uh, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? But the fowls of the air, uh, for they, (coughs) excuse me, behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not more better than they? And here is a, a reminder Uh, from Jesus himself reminding us that God is going to meet our needs. Whether or not it always feels like he is, he always will. Other parts of our journey of faith uh, can come in the attack of the enemy. The story we're about to read is a story of just that. The title of my message this morning is The Struggle From Without. The Struggle From Without. Exodus chapter 17, let's start reading in verse 8. Then came Amalek and, uh, and fought with Israel at Rephidim. Moses said unto Joshua, Choose choose us out men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow uh, I will stand on the top of the hill with with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses said unto him and fought with Amalek. And uh, Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill and it came to pass when Moses held up his hand That Israel prevailed, and when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they uh, took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. And Moses, uh, excuse me, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, one on uh, one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua uh, discomfited. Uh, Amalek and the people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly uh, put out the remembrance of Amalek under under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn uh, that the Lord will have war with Amalek from from generation to generation. Let's pray. Dear dear Lord, we truly are thankful and grateful for your love and for the work that you do in our lives. And Lord, I am so very thankful and uh, grateful for all that you do for not just for, for, for me personally, but for everyone in this room. And Lord, I am so very thankful and ask that you would guide and direct through the message tonight, or uh, excuse me, this this morning, and may your son's name be lifted up and honored, for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, before I go any further, I forgot <clears throat> we have someone with us that's very special this morning. <clears throat> Will you stand, please? Tomorrow he leaves for boot camp. Uh, and I meant to to do this at the beginning of the service totally forgot until just now Um, I'm going to ask Danny if you would stand to your feet and, and pray over this young man that God would keep him safe and that God would use him would you please Heavenly Father guide him through his time in the army, and that you would bless him. Bless him with the wisdom to know when to speak and when not to speak. Bless him with the wisdom to know where to go and where not to go. Strengthen his hand to the task that's before him, and guide him through his days and keep him safe, to bring him safely home back to those who love him and who will miss him. Strengthen those who are back at home and keep us in prayer for his safety and those of his comrades throughout this time. We ask these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. 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 Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Tyler, Tyler. Uh, what What's your last name? Is it Harris? Okay, yeah, Tyler Harris. I couldn't, I, I thought it was, I just want to make sure. Harris. Yes. He is going to... Fort Jackson in uh, Columbia, South Carolina for basic training and then on to Virginia for uh, helicopter mechanic school. So uh, his his uh, MOS, is, is, is you guys call it an MOS in the Army? Okay, his MOS is, is, uh, is going to be an important one uh, because he's going to be responsible for the Jesus nut. <laughs> uh, <coughs> <Amen. laughs> if you don't know what a Jesus nut is, uh, Google it. But it's a real thing. It really, you can go and sit down, buddy. Thank you, Tyler. Um, uh, it's a real thing. It is the nut on top of the helicopter that holds the blades on. and and they yeah, they and they call it the jesus nut. and and even even the the pilots, the pilots, the mechanics, everybody calls it the Jesus nut because if that thing comes loose, you better know Jesus. <laughs> So make sure it's really tight, okay, buddy. <laughs> anyway, uh, be praying for Tyler. Uh, uh, the next few weeks will be an adventure, and um, uh, but I, I will be praying for you, my friend. Thank you for your service. <laughs> yeah. Hey, nothing like it. <laughs> oh. How what? Do what? There is no holiday in the military. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I've eaten a lot of turkey in the mess hall. <laughs> That's it. Anyway, back to back to our story here in Exodus. We, <clears throat> I I don't know about you, but I I love the song entitled "This World Is Not My Home." Amen. And uh, I, I like that song because there's one line in it. It says. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. And I love that because it's a reminder to me that all of this stuff in the world that we deal with will someday be mute. There is one day in eternity in the future, we're going to look back and we're going to think, wow, what did I worry about? This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. But... But, while we're here, it's a fight. We're in the midst of a fight. And we are told to be soldiers. In In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, it says, therefore, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, <clears throat> that he may please him who has cho- chosen him, to be a soldier. You know, the, this, this world is not my home, but while I'm here, I am commanded to be a soldier of Jesus Christ. Amen. Because we're in a fight. It's as simple as that. And there's an enemy out there that hates Jesus Christ. And because he hates Jesus Christ, he hates me and wants to destroy me. Number one, the enemy. Number 1 the enemy we see it in verse 8 uh, and then came Amalek and fought with Israel uh, in Rephidim now the book of Genesis promises Abraham that he would be a father of what the bible calls a great nation can anybody tell me what that nation is Israel the nation of Israel <clears throat> now Jacob or excuse me Abraham has a son now I don't know about about you, but if I were Abraham, I would have been a little disappointed. Boy, this is going to be a small country. (laughs) But he has a son named Isaac. And Isaac goes on to have two kids. Anybody know their names? Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau. Jacob, God would later change his name to Israel. Moses, in verse 8, Moses is leading the nation of Israel or the descendants of Jacob, who is the descendant of Isaac, who is the son of Abraham. So the nation that, 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 <clears throat> that Moses is leading now in Rephidim is the descendants of Abraham. Does that make sense? Okay. Or, or, well, actually more specifically, the the, the descendants of Jacob. Okay? And and there's a reason I'm making that distinction. Amalek attacks Israel without provocation for no reason. At least it, it appears for no reason. Who are the Amalekites? The descendants of Esau. In Genesis chapter 36, verse 12, it says, And Timnah was concubine to Eliphaz, Esau's son, and she bare to Eliphaz Amalek. So the Amalekites that 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 have attacked Israel they're cousins, in, in essence. And, and, and Israel knew that they were related to, Amala- uh, to the Amalekites, and the Amalekites knew that they were related to Israel. They knew that, because back then, they, they, genealogy was an important part of their societies. And they knew, they knew when Amalek attacked, they knew <clears throat> that they were taking on their cousins. There's a there's 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 specifically three things I want to I want to talk about the, to, this morning about about the enemy. The first one is <clears throat> and, and 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 please get this. The attack often comes from people that you would never expect it. The attack comes from people that you would never expect it. Now, <clears throat> David David describes the anguish that takes place in the heart when when the attack comes from a friend. In in Psalm chapter uh, 55, verses 1 and 2, well, let me rephrase that. Not necessarily a friend, but it could be a relative. In this case, it is a cousin. Psalm 55, verses 12 and 13. For it was not an enemy that reproached me. Then... I could have bore it. What does he say there? Yeah, if it's an enemy, you expect an enemy to hate you. Do you not? Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man mine equal, my God, mine acquaintance. Excuse me, my guide, mine acquaintance. Why, why does this particular kind of attack hurt more than anything else? Because it's someone that you love and trusted. The second aspect that I want to talk about the enemy this morning is this the attack comes often from behind. You think, okay, how does that got to do with our story? I'm glad you asked. <clears throat> Because in Deuteronomy <clears throat> chapter 25 clarifies what took place here. In Deuteronomy chapter 25 verses 17 and 18, it says, "Remember that Amalek, uh, uh, excuse me, remember what Amalek did unto thee." And the, by the way, uh, when ye uh, come forth out of Egypt, how he met thee by the way and smote the hindmost of thee even all that were feeble behind thee, when thou uh, wast faint and weary, and he feared not God. So, so what, what what is taking place here? What's, Deuteronomy chapter 25 fills in a blank that we don't see here in Exodus chapter 17. And that is that when Amalek attacked, they attacked the hinder part of the company as they were coming in to Raphadim. The, the elderly, the sick, the, the 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 people who couldn't keep up with the main body. it was there that Amalek attacked. It is it is in in warfare uh, civilized warfare if that's a contrast of terms. but anyway you know there there is is there not a right way to fight? Rules of engagement, that's, that's, that. there you go. See, as in the United States, we do everything we can to curtail secondary involvement. We do everything we can. Civilians, uh, uh, children, women, you know, that, that type of thing. But Amalek didn't do that. That's where they attacked. at the weak point. And see, when your enemy attacks you, guess where they go for? Your weakest point. Not only did they attack the weakest point, but they attacked when they as a nation were the weakest. Had they not just been traveling through the desert and as as they are arriving, now, <clears throat> I don't know, I've never been on a caravan through the desert. I like to go out in the desert and play around a little bit, but I have a four-wheel drive truck. You know, I come back, I'm fine but I think if I had to deal with the camels and the setting up of tents and tearing down the tents and all of the, all the, the stuff that it takes to travel in a caravan the size of this, the nation of Israel, I would think, I don't know about you, but I would think by the time we got where we were going, we we're going to be pretty tired. Each of us has our weak places and our enemy knows where they are. And that is where he will attack every time. The third thing that is characteristic of the enemy is he will always, always attack after you are coming off a great victory. The children of Israel had just experienced Miracle after miracle after miracle, they had seen God do the ten plagues in in Egypt. They had they had seen God wear Pharaoh down to where he said, "Okay, just just go, just just get go." He had seen God part the Red Sea and cross over on dry land. They had seen the destruction of the Egyptian army. God had provided manna for them. Uh, in the midst of nothing. And in what we saw last week, uh, the, the, the rock gushing forth water. Miracle after miracle after miracle. Oftentimes, that is when the enemy attacks. And the reason why is because it is after those kinds of events that we tend to put our guards down. After God has done great things in our lives, we, we have a tendency sometimes to kick it into neutral and just kind of glide through life. And, 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 and guess what? The enemy knows that. They were physically tired. They were, they were uh, uh, riding a quote-unquote emotional high from all the things that God had done for them. And the enemy attacked from behind at the absolute worst place at the worst time. Guess what? That's how our attacks come to. That is one reason why, as, as a pastor, I am constantly reminding people you need rest. If we do not get rest on a regular basis, we are making ourselves vulnerable to attack. And, and rest is one thing. Oftentimes we can control. In Matthew chapter 26, verses 37 to 41, it says, and he and he took with him Peter, uh, the two sons of Zebedee, and began uh, to be sorrowful and very heavy. Now, now, who can tell me what is happening uh, during these verses here? Okay, Jesus is in the garden. What's going to happen the next day? He's going to be crucified. So what is he doing? He's 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 carrying the weight of the world right now. And he said unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry here, tarry ye here, and watch with me. What was he doing? He was pleading with his disciples to to intercede with him because of the burden. And and Jesus knew what was coming. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, and saying, O oh, oh my Father, it is excuse me, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto his disciples and find them sleeping, and said unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? I can, I can hear the disappointment in the voice of our Lord. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation and the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And this is a great reminder of what can happen when we get too comfortable with the things of God. And when God does a miracle and, and things are going our way, it's easy to it's easy to get our eyes off of God. It is after, excuse me, it was after the great victory on Mount Carmel where Elijah ended up running for his life and, and going into a very deep depression. It was after the great victory on the mountain. Even Jesus, when he was, Tempted was after he was baptized. Another great victory. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, it says, Then was Jesus led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungered. See, when did the temptation take place in Jesus' life? When he was the weakest. When he was the tired, he was the hungriest. That's when the attacks will come. And we need to be cognizant of the fact that not only, you know, the enemy is out to get you, he's going to use people in your life you would never expect to attack you. He's going to attack at your weakest point, and he's going to attack uh, shortly after a v- great victory in your life. The second thing I want to talk about is the victory. We saw it in verses 9 to 13. There is no evidence in the Bible up to this point that Israel fought a battle. Think about it. Up until this point, Israel as a nation had never fought a battle. They had, they had left Egypt freely. The victory at the Red Sea was done by God, not them. They just stood and watched. This would be their first battle. In fact, it is also the first mention of a a man named Joshua. Joshua, the Hebrew name Joshua literally means Jehovah is salvation. It is the Hebrew equivalent of the name Jesus. The Hebrew victory has three elements involved in it, but we just read a few moments ago. One, the skill of Joshua and his army. The second was the intercession of Moses. And the third is the power of God. All three of those elements working together. Not one of them is independent of the other. All three of them are important and and needful. It is understandable that Joshua and his army were were tired during the battle. We had already talked about the fact that Israel had just finished traveling a great distance. And so physically, they, they 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 were tired physically. In fact, Joshua formed his army in one day. Moses went to Joshua and said, hey, tomorrow, go go get a bunch of guys because tomorrow you're going to go fight them, fight the Amalekites. He, f- he formed an army in 24 hours, less than 24 hours. So they had had no military training. They had no uh, endurance training. So here, basically, a bunch of slaves that have been wandering around the desert for several months are going up against a seasoned army. You talk about disadvantage, huge disadvantage. I don't know about you, but I have often pictured... Moses standing on the hill overlooking the battlefield holding the the rod of God up looking down into the valley how many of you've pictured him like that okay Mo- most of us would well recently i have came uh, I, have, I have came i have come i have come to change that image in my mind based on something that i read this is what i read True intercession is a demanding activity. Let that sink in for a second. <clears throat> true intercession is was not what Moses was doing. Was that not intercession for the army below? Okay, it was. So, true intercession is a demanding activity. Moses I believe Moses was not standing there looking down, but he was standing there looking up. And he was interceding on the behalf of the soldiers in the, in the, in the valley fighting the battle. And we 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 sit there and we 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 get this mental picture of of Moses just kind of standing there nonchalantly, just kind of no, he is fighting his own battle. And he is fighting just as hard, if not harder, than the men in the valley. Because he's interceding on the behalf of of the the, the, the army of Israel down in the valley. A little side note here. That's exactly what Jesus Christ does for us in heaven. He intercedes on our behalf. As we fight the fight down here, He's fighting it up there for us. Just a little free side note there for you. John Bunyan wrote this, and I've, I've shared this quote before, but I thought it was appropriate again. In prayer... It is better to have a heart with word without words than words without heart. Let me read it again. In prayer it is better to have a heart without words than words without heart. And I believe I don't know. I I I, I after thinking about it and understanding what Moses was going through, I don't believe Moses was probably verbalizing a whole lot. He was just in his heart crying out to God on the behalf of his army in the valley. Now this is there's an important lesson here, and I please get a hold of this. Everyone cannot be a Moses. Everyone cannot be a Joshua. Everyone cannot be a Billy Graham. But everyone can be an Aaron and a Her. Everybody can do that. I was talking recently with a a man who is going through some difficult times uh, with his, his family and just different things going on. And he, he made the statement. He says, Pastor, he says, I'm not used to having to reach out and ask for help. He said, my wife and I have always been the one who has always been there to, to be doing the help. And I said, you know what? There are times in our lives where God uses us to hold up the hands of those people who are in the fight. I said, but the reality is you're the one in the fight now. Let us as a church hold up your hands. See, that's how it works. Every one of us has been in the fight at one time or another. In fact, you could be in the midst of a fight right now. Everybody can be an Aaron and a Her. Number three, the recognition, and I need to hurry here because I'm almost out of time. The recognitions, verses 14 to 16. I want to read this very quickly. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write uh, this as a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I have utterly uh, put out the, the remembrance of Amalek from under the heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. Moses built an altar, but it was not a it was not an altar. To the to the gallant efforts of Joshua and his men, it was not a it was not an altar uh, to himself, so everybody could say, "Whoa, look what Moses did for us!" It was an altar to God, and he and he named the place Jehovah Nissi. And and Jehovah Nissi, you know, we 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 hear these names that 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 uh, the names of God and and. <clears throat> We oftentimes just take them for granted, but this one is an interesting word. Jehovah Nisi means Jehovah is my banner. And 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 you know, in our society today, we don't think a whole lot about that because we don't fight wars the way they used to fight wars. Our wars are almost done remotely. I mean we got we got drones up there that carry weapons and some guy it, it, you know thousands of miles away is putting pushing buttons. We don't engage the way we used to engage in war. But see back then it, a battlefield was a was a place of absolute chaos. When these armies would clash it would be more often than not it would be hand-to-hand combat. And there was there was no defining one enemy line from the other line. there was they, they were so intermixed that soldiers would get confused and oftentimes go the wrong direction. So what they would do is is every army and every company within every army carried huge flags on the battlefield so that everybody on the battlefield knew where the lines were. And if they were hurt, they knew where to go. And these banners would be the very pinnacles that would identify one army from another. And when, when Moses says that, that Jehovah is my banner, what is he saying? He's saying, <clears throat> I'm on the Lord's side. It is a declaration of loyalty. And he's, and he's, and he's, the banner was something that was so important. Now, if you're like me and like old war movies, you know, especially during the Civil War, <clears throat> what would happen if the guy that riding the horse or carrying the banner got shot or killed? Somebody else would pick it up, would pick it up. they would drop their weapon to pick up the flag. Why? Because that banner is absolutely critical to every other soldier on the battlefield. And so often we we read these things and we think, "Oh, well that's cool." No. Moses is making a statement. God is my banner. Jehovah is my banner, and I am going to wave it proudly. Because Jehovah won the victory. Not Joshua, not me, but God. Jehovah Nisi. Jehovah is my banner. Amalek in Scripture is always a picture of the flesh. the, 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 The... and it goes all the way back to Esau. What do we fight the most? Our flesh. And you will see that God God says, as, as far as he's concerned, Amalek is done. It, it's been removed from, uh, from under heaven. But the reality is, that doesn't happen for a while. And Amalek, uh, the Amalekites... Are a, are a thorn in the flesh of Israel for years to come. It is a constant battle. And they always fight dirty. Just as we struggle with the flesh. It will be a constant battle for you until the day you die. In closing, let me ask you a question. What are you battling with? I can I can I can tell you one thing for sure. And and not knowing, I'm just I, I'm just I know I know people. There's someone here this morning that's in the midst of the battle. In the midst of the battle. Yes, sir. There's someone here who who feels totally isolated. The reality is this. It was not Moses who won the battle. It was not Joshua who won the, won the battle. It was the power of God that Moses prayed down, who interceded on behalf of a very tired army. Really wasn't even an army. It was probably just a group of men. Against all wants. God showed Himself strong in their lives. Amen. And I'm here to tell you, I don't know what your battle is this morning, but I can tell you this, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Nisi. If God is your banner, if Jehovah is your banner, you're on the winning side. We, as individuals. We need to stop worrying about being Moses' and Joshua's and Billy Graham's. We need to be Aaron's and hers. We're surrounded by people in this church, in our community, where you work, where you buy your groceries, that are hurting people that need someone to intercede for them. Let's be that people. The other thing is